Hey everybody, Chris here. This is part two of what actually turned out to be a three-part conversation on bouldering tactics. So if you have not yet, you should go back and listen to part one. You'll be missing out on a lot of pertinent information that leads into where we're at in this episode. So go do that now. It's right there in your pocket supercomputer, the episode just before this one. Also, if you have not yet, check out the Crag Kit and the Boulder Bag, our two newest products designed to make you more efficient, more organized, and reduce your excuses. You can find those at powercompanyclimbing.com. All right, let's get into it. And we are back with impossible to answer questions. And there's a lot of them. You know, this is going to be a small portion of them, but these are the ones that we come up against pretty commonly and kind of always are a mindfuck. Like, for instance, the, the hardest one for me, and this is something we've already touched on a little bit, is when do you focus on making beta changes and when do you just try harder? You know that continuing red point attempts and trying harder could finish you for the session, drop your energy to a point where you won't even be able to recognize that beta changes work better, but then spending time with new beta and then not finding anything means that you've wasted your energy for trying harder. Mm -hmm. So it's this weird mindfuck place of what do I do now? I've been trying this thing for a while. I haven't sent. What do I do? Since you're also a person who likes to dial things in, are there any ways that you know of to like, definitively say, I need to do one or the other now? Uh, I normally let Roland Chin decide that one for me. <laughs> Just that deep voice behind me <laughs> you need to pull the trigger right now um you need a recording on your phone just a rolling yes um it's it's hard for me i think the deeper into a bouldering season i am and the more boulders i've done the better i am at figuring this out mm -hmm. like for me doing those quick sends of i won't i mean i'll just call them sloppy like where it's like hey i'm just getting this done like I didn't spend the time to do all the, like figure out all the beta. I'm just going to try really hard. The more I do those, the more I realize how great that range is yeah, and how much I can get away with, with just a high level of, of effort. Yeah. I think that's important. I looked at it as kind of practicing that effort. Mm -hmm. I spend so much time practicing the art of coming up with creative beta that fits me, dialing things in, being more efficient but I spend very little time practicing the art of just fucking try hard now. Yeah. You know? Um, so I've definitely gone the, you know, tip the scales in the other direction of I'm trying hard too soon. You know, I'm giving red point efforts way before I should be, but I'm learning the intricacies and the subtleties of that so that then I can better apply so I think it's a time thing. You just have to spend time in both zones to more effectively learn where that line is. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and I 
that's how I feel as well. Like you kind of just have to spend time in both zones. I'm a big fan of spending the early season, you know, you can build your base and as you're doing it, you know, you, that's when you're like, Hey, I'm just going to pull the trigger, get this done. And you're still working out beta, but I think if you start your season by saying, Hey, I'm going to really dig into this project, work out all the minutia, then you didn't get a chance to really, uh, develop that try hard muscle. Yeah. Um, and you see this with rope climbing a lot too. Like people who are so used to betaing everything down bolt to bolt, move to move that they forgot how to try hard. Yeah. Um, and I think it goes vice versa too. You know, if you're a person who just naturally tries hard at every single time you pull on, but you suck at figuring out where your beta could be better because you're always just used to powering through all the time, then starting your season off with some, okay, let me, I know I can just power through this and I, and I already did, but now let me come back and figure out how to make it better and exercise my, you know, creative beta thinking. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. Yeah. You know, and if you're someone who struggles with creative beta thinking, climbing around other people is a great way to go. Yeah. Like find other people who do things differently than you, different heights, just different sizes and strengths and try and mimic them. It's probably going to feel fucked up because yep. you're doing something that's not feeling natural for you. Like it's out of your comfort zone. That's okay. Go with it. Like try and climb with someone who's and climb how someone who is five inches shorter than you climbs mimic that. Like you're going to learn a lot. Yeah. Like find someone who twists every move where you normally <laughs> climb square or vice versa. Um, yeah. And one of the most infuriating parts of like figuring out whether to dial in beta or just try harder is when you come up with beta that almost works oh that it all feels so easy but there's one little thing that won't allow it to happen you can go down this rabbit hole of trying to find that one little thing because you're like this is the hardest thing i've ever tried but if I can make this one thing happen, I'll be able to do it right now. Yep. If I can just get my right foot to there, <laughs> yep. if I can get my left hand on this like this, it's yep. more of an undercling, you know, then I can do it. Where realistically, it's like that, that might just not be possible for you to get into. Right. And you're going to spend more time and energy attempting to get into that than if you just found better beta. Yeah. So is there a way to know I just have to just abandon this new line of thinking entirely and and forget about it. Oh, I don't know. It's hard. Like it's, you know, adding in new beta into a crux is difficult. Like, so let's say, for instance, you found a move where you're like, okay, I can do this, but it's really hard. And then someone's like, well, have you tried this method? Mm -hmm. Which will happen on every project you ever do always <laughs> and the thing is it's really hard mm. to tell if that new beta is better immediately because right. let's say it took you 15 goes to stick the first method and you try this other method they they recommend and it feels impossible first yeah. try it may be easier it may just be that it's still hard enough it's going to take you five tries or ten tries right. to stick it so it's it's very challenging. Yeah, you have to give it a chance, you mm -hmm. know, and 
I encountered that on the giving tree this past spring, um, where there was a, a piece of beta that, that was going to make things easier if I could connect it with another piece of beta. And I just wasn't able to find a connection and, but I tried multiple sessions and the way I ended up choosing to work through it was I stuck with my beta gave red point efforts when I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm too far gone at this point. I, I don't think I'll be able to send even if I hit everything right, let's play with this beta a little more. Let's let's exhaust all the options of trying to find this connection hmm. so that I wasn't wasting a session, you know, trying something that wasn't going to work. And on the flip side, maybe if I had tried it fresh, I might have found a way. So that's why this whole thing is a mind fuck. And, but that's what we love about puzzles is that they're, hard to solve yeah you know if there was a, a perfect rubric for this then it wouldn't be hard yeah um but it is and that's why it's awesome so all right here's the next question let's say you're too tired to give red point efforts yeah but, but you still have energy left yeah what do you do to set yourself up for success on your next session a it depends on when the next session is you know, if I'm on a trip and or a weekend or something and I have and I'm doing two back to back days, mm -hmm. then I stop mm -hmm. rest. If I know I have a rest day, then if there is beta that I've, you know, made these mental notes of while I'm climbing that, oh, I'm not hitting that hold exactly right every time or I feel like. Maybe I could get more out of that foot. Then I'll play with those little pieces of beta, trying to find small efficiencies, not necessarily in the crux, but on sections leading up to the crux or, or the finish. You know, if there's something that felt a little off, like a, an off balance move that I don't like, but I can do it every time, I still want to find a way to make it feel feel more high percentage and I, I want to be able to feel comfortable in that position. So I'll look for alternatives there, you know, and just try to shore up the ends around the crux, whatever that is. Okay. Um, you, um, pretty similar. Um, for me, it kind of depends if the front end or back end feels more challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, once again, I don't believe in punting. So I always rehearse the finish um, before I leave. But another thing is if there's a sequence, um, a buddy of mine refers to it as order of operations climbing mm -hmm. where the sequence won't be difficult as long as you move every limb in the correct order. So right. it's like right foot goes up, right hand, you know, readjust his right, readjusts, right foot moves again, right hand bumps, all these little things that it seems like you could do this sequence any number of ways, but if you do it in the exact order, yeah, it's perfect. Yep. And also it's normally, uh, normally these stand out because they're easy to mix up. Yeah. Like you're doing it and maybe you can end up backwards all the time. Like, yeah. how did I get in this position? <laughs> totally. And maybe there's a repetition in sequences. 
So you might be like high right foot, bump, bump right. And then the next sequence is high right foot, bump right, cross left. And you might accidentally just go right into bump, 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 bump right again. Right. And it might be possible. There might be a hold there, but you'll find yourself stuck. Yep. And this is incredibly common that you'll have these repetitions, these different patterns, and your brain tries to latch to these patterns that mm-hmm. shouldn't be there. Um, so if I find an orders, order of operations section, I like to really dial that in to where that is just the only option. Like yeah. to where it, I almost just use like rote memorization at that point. Mm-hmm. Like I want that to feel just like that is the only pattern there. That's the only option when I get there. Um, so for me, that's a really big one. Yeah, you know, something from my music days that I've used to break out of those weird, like, this pattern automatically puts me into this other pattern, even though it's not correct. Mm -hmm. There would be songs that a certain lyric would lead me into another song or another lyric, even though it wasn't the right one for this song. And once I started recognizing that those would happen occasionally, I had to make specific changes either to the beat or to a lyric to keep me from falling into that pattern, you know? Hmm. So, so there can be all sorts of ways to sort of, sort of interrupt your pattern recognition that you fall into automatically, you know? But the first step in that is recognizing that you are falling into this pattern over and over again, mm-hmm. you know, where you're supposed to cross, but you bump. Why? You know, that's not the beta. Yeah. But and you'll see people do it yeah. so often. Like you'll see people, like I see people all the time. They'll be 80 feet up on a route and they bump to, they bumped instead of crossing for the fourth go in a row. Right. And it's like you had one thing to remember. Yep. And you know, if I recognize that's happening on, on a boulder, I will ask my partner to, like, when I get here, say this word. Yep. <laughs> Every yep. time. Say cross, because yes. I'm going to forget and I'm going to bump. For whatever reason, that's what happens. Yes. You know? So break that pattern however you can. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So that's, to me, that's a big one as I try to identify patterns. And especially if you've changed beta a couple times, yep. sometimes I'll, like, you need to really right over that first beta that you had because it might try and crop back up like oh yeah especially when you're under a little bit of stress you'll be climbing you might get in and then you realize oh no i did the footwalk from the old beta right you combine three betas and you end up in a pretzel and you have no idea how you got there exactly yeah yeah so you just want to like blast over that old beta and only have your new beta yeah so for me those are big ones um you know, and it, I think it's important you brought up, am I going to get back the next day, the next month, next week? If I know it's going to be a couple of days, I'm honestly, um, it, if I'm if I'm resting the next day, I might also just use it for fitness too. Mm-hmm. Like if I know, okay, this is a big boulder, like powering down is a big thing. Yep. Like I may just do big fitness burns on it. Yep. Like uh, one of the first V8s I'd ever did was a sandblasting skin in Dayton. Mm-hmm. It's a 23 move roof and you know if i pulled on from let's say six moves in i could go from there to the end almost every single time and so i would project it doing the full links but when i was done and i felt confident with my beta i was like cool i'll just do a bunch of fitness laps you know run it another four or five times 
And so that when I came back, I would have the end more dialed and a little bit more fitness to go with it. Yeah, totally. And you know that I'm glad you brought that back up because if it is, you know, if, if it's a trip and you're not coming back for three weeks or a month or something, I will a walk through all the beta. Oh yes. Talking about it. Or I'll have a video of me doing links and I'll, put it together with a narration of talking through the beta, mm-hmm. something like that. And then give some Hail Marys. Yeah. You know, so what if you completely burn yourself out and you can't climb the next day? You're leaving anyway. You know? Yeah. So give those Hail Marys, but have that good beta locked in somewhere where you can review it before your next trip, three weeks or a month or next summer or whatever it is. Yeah. No, and that's a really good one. Um, it's funny. I had never, you know, I had never really seen that with uh, dictating your beta until my friend uh, or our friend Sarah Brangos. Mm-hmm. We were climbing out in Waco and she was trying flower power and we're all packing up. And she's like, oh, I uh, I left something back at the boulder. I'll be back. <laughs> and we're kind of waiting for a bit. And so I like, drop back down. I walk over and I see her and she's holding up her iPhone and she's pointing just beyond the camera. So her f- hand and finger showed up in the actual video. Yeah. And so she was like, okay, and here, I'm going to set the knee bar off of that foot. And she went through Is that like, your Sarah Brangos voice? That is exactly my Sarah Brangos voice. <laughs> um, oh, man. And, but yeah. Sarah, we love you. Very much. Um, but I was like, that's brilliant. And of course, she like blushed and turned red. because She was like, ah, like, <laughs> I didn't think anyone would see me. But it was amazing because then like, <clears throat> I mean, that was, that's a very sequential boulder. Yeah. Like, and she was like, well, I don't want to forget anything that I learned. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's great. And I've done it since. Like I did it with the giving tree when I was here last mm. year. Cause I was like, well, I'm not going to be here for another year. So I just shot a video cause I had learned a few like minor subtleties with my hands and feet and mm-hmm. just pointed out. I was like, I want my hand there, foot there, like tension here. Um, and I think having the voiceover is really helpful because there are all those internal cues of like corkscrew with the leg or, you know, yep. really compress the t- your arms together when you cut here. Yeah. And before like pre the time when everybody's phone had a ton of space and you could make good videos, I would just dictate voice notes on projects. You know, most of my first V10s were done that way. With a cassette recorder? <laughs> With a cassette recorder. Now, you you could make voice notes on your phone. They didn't take up as much space as big videos did. But, mm-hmm. So I would just dictate the voice into a voice note on the phone, you know. And I was already used to doing that from writing songs. When a lyric would pop into my head, I would just dictate voice notes. Mm-hmm. And so it just transferred really easily into remembering small beta subtleties, you know, and, and I use those to great effect. Yeah. So no, important to do. That's huge. Um, anything else you do to set yourself up for success the next time? Um, make sure I've got frozen pizzas in the freezer. Boom. (laughs) That's important. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I, one thing that I've actually picked up just in the last uh, couple of months is when I'm finishing a session, I'll write down in my journal what my plan is for the next session mm-hmm. because it's fresh on my mind. And I know, Hey, like I can say, Hey, like I've done these links, like warm up next time, fire this mm-hmm. um, where if I wait and have to go back, I might like be like, well, I feel like this today or that 
And I've just found like setting the expectations at the end of the session for what I'm doing next time has worked better for me than making the plan the day before or the morning of. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and while I was joking about the frozen pizzas, I do think, <laughs> I do think making sure that you're setting yourself up in a comfortable place to be able to try hard is really important, you know? And, and I talk about this a lot in the hard truth. We have some products coming out this winter that, that I think will help people make sure they have fewer excuses, but the fewer excuses you can give yourself, the better, you know, if I have the food I know that I like to eat, if I have the things I know that I want already packed, I have fewer excuses, fewer things to stress about. For me, that's, that starts the, the success rolling as soon as I wake up. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Um, uh, at what point do you just give up? What point do you quit? When a project's too hard, how do you know? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it's, I mean, there's a lot of experience goes into that. And if you're climbing with someone else who's more experienced than you, sometimes they can help you with that. Yeah. Like I've had plenty of times where I'm like, oh, I don't know. And a buddy was just like, hey, <clears throat> you know, stick with it. Give it another session. Keep trying. Yeah. Something Annalisa brings up pretty often when we're talking about, you know, projects is... And it actually, it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to say <laughs> is that she was working on a V7 in Waco and she could do all the moves, but not with a consistency that looked like it was going to work. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like one move she wasn't consistent on. It was kind yeah. of every move mm-hmm. had some inconsistency. And after several days of not really making much progress... I said, I think for you to send this, you're going to have to get lucky. Like this trip, it's not going to come together in any sort of linear way. Yeah. Like you're going to have to be very lucky one day to put all these moves together. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and she, you know, she was upset about it, but realized it was the truth and moved on ended up having a really productive season after that but it's fucking hard to say that yeah you know and it's hard to take a step back when you're that person and be able to see okay i'm i don't have enough consistency on any of this to think that i can ever link it together yeah so it's a tough thing to see and a tough tough truth to have to tell yourself yeah. You know, and it, it really depends on the situation of the climb too. Cause if it's, you know, if it's something local, you know, it doesn't have to be goodbye forever. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can come back to it. Yeah. Um, and it depends on what you want out of it. You two still have a future together. Yeah. You know, it could work out someday, <laughs> um, with enough hangboarding, <laughs> but yeah, and it depends on your goals. Like I've had times where I've intentionally projected something too hard because I was getting stronger from it and because mm. like I was learning from it. Like I used to do that when I was living in the South. Like <clears throat> when I was, even when I was climbing V7 and V8, like I would have a V10 I was projecting because pretty much just as a limit boulder. I mean, that's all it really was. I was like, well, 
I can try these individual moves really hard and I can do most of them or I could do all of them, but linking was impossible. And so I would just try that now and then, like, you know, maybe I'll try it once every two weeks. And the cool thing was that what, like at the time I was like, well, my hands are getting stronger and I feel more confident on a hard move. So I'll just take it. And now I can reflect back and be like, oh, that was just an occasional limit boulder session, um, yep. which was also building confidence on hard moves and small holds. Mm -hmm. So it's not fair to say that it was only one thing that was benefiting me, but I think that's totally fine. Like you can keep it around and say, Hey, like this is too hard now. Maybe it's early in the season. I'm going to go climb some other stuff. Yep. I'll check back <clears> in for two days here in a month or two. Yeah. Or a month or six weeks. Yeah. And it also, if it's just starting to feel like a chore and you're not psyched anymore and you're not having fun, pff, quit, you know, move on. I will say one thing to this that is, I would say that's good advice as long as you're not a quitter. Sure. Yeah. Because there, I agree with that. It is easy to fall into the trap of being like, oh, this feels like hard work. Right. And it's like, man, if it's yeah. becoming a pattern of every boulder I try starts to feel like a chore and I'm going to quit, recognize that pattern. Yeah. Maybe go do some hard chores, just some really shitty work for a while. And then you'll be like, oh, God, <laughs> I can't wait to go like cut all my fingers open on this project. Yeah. Go cut some firewood for the fall. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but that is just one like, it's, easy for us to justify to ourselves like hey like i'm into climbing for fun like i don't want to yep. do this but yeah that's true for me that's harder to justify mm -hmm. like i'm like i need to see this through yeah you know so it's harder to say i'm just not having fun on this anymore like i'm gonna move on for now and mm -hmm. i'll come back to this when i'm psyched yeah yeah so you know recognize what kind of person you are maybe ask friends um, look yep. at your past patterns. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're the kind of person. Look that, in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Am I a yeah. quitter? And then say affirmations to yourself every morning, like Scott Adams. <laughs> Just, he told himself for years he was going to become a great cartoonist. Just 4 a.m. every day. It worked. Yeah. Um, he, also, he also might have done some cartooning in that time. Might have. But, uh, you know, who's... Who knows which one it was? <laughs> um, a, a question I often hear that's sort of related to the when do I quit? When do I you know throw in the towel? Is and we've we've touched on this a little bit, but how do you know when you just need to get stronger? Oh, that's a tough one. It is tough. Because you could always get stronger. And I think you should always be trying to get stronger. I think that's a good caveat. Yeah. So it's tough to know, should I put this on the back burner, go get stronger, then come back to it. And ultimately, I think it comes down to weighing, are you still having fun trying it? Are you still learning from it? Are you still willing to invest in it? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have to weigh all those things out when that starts creeping in. As soon as you have the thought of, I need to get stronger to do this boulder, don't let that be the sign of, okay, I'm going back to training. Yeah. You know, like I said earlier, it's highly unlikely that you're not strong enough already. If that was in your plan for the season. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and sometimes 
man, sometimes you might just come in and you're, you're like, oh, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, yeah. It totally. happens occasionally. For sure it does. Um, but, you know, it's tough because I do think you should always be trying to get stronger to some degree. Um, but, man, you can always fall back on that excuse. Like, uh, I, I, I'll just wait till I'm stronger, which for a lot of people can say, I'm going to wait until I'm so strong that this is in my comfort zone. Right. That this is easy. I won't have to try hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. That um, happens often. Yeah. I mean, in saving it for the onsite, yep, saving it for the onsite, you know, I think almost anyone who's ever trained is guilty of this at some point. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, you, you do some hangs, you do some like upper body training and you skip all the leg days and suddenly you're like, wow, I had a big boost in strength and power and performance. Like, yeah. this is cool. And then everything that you had tried, you're like, oh, I'm doing a lot better on it. So, you know, when you hit another roadblock, you're like, well. Give me a if- dose of that rocket fuel. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> can, can I just do that again? I mean, that'd be sick. Um, but, you know, you have diminishing returns with strength training. And at a cert- at a certain point, like, you're just going to have to bite the bullet and say, hey, like, I'm probably strong enough. I need to keep getting better. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's hard to say. Like, honestly, it's one of those things that you kind of don't know until you try for a little while. Yeah. And you're going to struggle with it at some point in your climbing career. Yeah. Almost guaranteed. Um, but, you know, I think you made some really good points. Um, are you still having fun on it? Is it? Are you still getting better? Is it part of your big picture plan for the yeah. season? Yep. Like if you thought, Hey, I'm going to come out, I'm just going to kick the doors in. I'm going to take down this new V8 and then I'm going to have a great season from there. And if that V8 suddenly taking you two months and you're halfway through the season, you're not having fun anymore. You know what? It's okay <clears throat> to walk away. Like, yeah. Yeah. And if a project is like, you're investing so much of yourself in it that when you get home, you're in a foul mood and your relationship is suffering because of it, you know, be a quitter be a quitter (laughs) you know just decide which one you want to quit the relationship or the project yeah yeah no it's so and it's one of those things that if this is a true lifetime project like Mm -hmm. that once in a lifetime hey like you know some of these things might not apply but if you're just kind of punching the clock like this is another season you're just trying to keep getting better every year yeah you know assess like is this taken away from you being able to do other things and, uh, you know, is it worth coming back to? Yeah. You got other questions? Um, I got one more. Okay. No, I think we've covered, uh, yeah, we've covered all mine. One thing I hear is this question that revolves around when is it okay for me to start investing in a big mega project Ooh. what's too soon you know i only climb v5 should i jump into a big giant project and i think that's a good question because so i think there's a lot to learn from it and there's a lot of ways it can go south yeah yeah man you yeah you definitely see it i think my opinion is you can hold off on mega projects as long as possible. Oh, and that's kind of an absolute. So I still don't even like that statement. <laughs> Man, I'll say this about if you're at the V5 level, um, 
<clears throat> and here I am jumping into absolutes. Yeah. But I oftentimes see people say, this is going to be my mega project and then accomplish it way faster than they expected. Mm -hmm. So I'm okay with giving a mega project a chance and applying that seven try rule pretty religiously. You know, am did I make progress today? If there are a couple days of no progress, back away from it for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of just slamming your head against it. But oftentimes I think people at at levels like below V8, maybe even up to, you know, V10, V11, don't really know what a mega project is. Mm-hmm. All they understand are many projects and they think those are mega projects. They take four or five sessions and they think, I just tried this boulder more than 10 times. Yeah. That's crazy to me. So, so I think it's worth giving it a chance just to, just to see, is it really a mega project or are you just blowing it out of proportion? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I could see that, especially with people who've never done it before. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's different cir- circumstances. Um, if you don't have climbing near you mm-hmm. and, you know, you just have like two short trips a year or something like that, then, you know, a mega project, I mean, that could be just eating all your time every year. Yeah. It's and people do it. Like there are definitely people who do it. Like they'll, you know, they pick out a boulder route and they're just like, well, I'm going to go try that for my two weeks of holiday and I'll keep doing that for as long as it takes. And you know, it might take them six years. Yep. Like we've seen it and it's fucking cool. Like it's impressive when people do that, but you know, it's a, it's good to recognize like, man, that might be a long, long investment. Yep. So if climbs are far away from you, that's I think different. If you have a lot of climbing near you, like if you live somewhere I mean, just like if you live in the Southeast, to me, there's not a huge reason for mega projects Yeah. Um, for a while, at least, because there is so much <clears throat> volume. You can keep climbing other things in a shorter amount of time, um, learning new moves, getting stronger from these different styles and moves. You have so much that you can keep developing from that, man, I, tr- I would try and kick that can down the road for a hot minute. Yeah, and I would say if you are going to latch on to a mega project when you're at the v5 v6 below maybe even to v8 v9 range don't don't be exclusive to that mega project Mm -hmm. you know dabble on some other things too try to send some moderates you know warm up on new things continue to climb on new things and don't just dedicate all of your time to that one project I think, I think dedicating all of your time to one big project can be really valuable, but there's a lot of downsides to it. And unless you've climbed a lot and in a lot of places and have really shored your skills up in a, in a great way, those downsides can be pretty disastrous. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I think changing up different you know, and this is something I think I've talked about with sport climbing, 
But with sport climbing, I would change between on-siding to flashing to yep. second goes, quick ascents. And then eventually <clears throat> I would just be like, man, I've done a lot of climbing. Like I've done a lot of things quick. I really want to sink my teeth into something that's going to take me, you know, maybe 10 days or something like what feel, which for sport climbing for me feels like an eternity. Yeah. Um, and then by the time I'm done with that, I'm like, well, all right, let's move on. Let's go back. Um, and let's do some quick things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, changing things up. Um, one thing that, so there's one thing that I think is kind of funny. If you look in a lot of climbing media, like a lot of pros, I remember there was a bunch of old inf- like posts. It's like Daniel Woods at one point was like, oh, I tried hypnotized minds. It took me nine days. And this may not be the exact example, but he was like, this is the longest I've ever tried a boulder. And I think it was Daniel and it was something like nine days. And I remember so many people were like, oh, you know, I can't believe he only tried it. He's only tried a boulder nine days. That's ridiculous. You know, I've tried things nine seasons. And in my mind, I'm like, well, he just put up hypnotized minds. Right. What are you doing? <laughs> you know? Sure. Like, there's just fields of comments about how this is absurd that, you know, and I think like, you know, with Nale doing a burden of dreams that was Mm multi-season and it was the same thing people said the same thing about that they were like well all these pros are not putting a genuine amount of time in they're only spending you know five plus days on a project on a new v15 and then they move on you know and it's like well are we really shitting on the all the v15 climbers right now (laughs) right like i think they're doing something right Mm -hmm. but they also get to travel the world climb on a lot of different styles they have a limitless number of boulders they get to try so they are unique in that sense but I still believe that if you can keep from the super long mega projects for longer, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, and I, I agree with you completely. But there's also a counter argument to if you have the means to just travel all the time you want to, you could climb V5 forever. Oh, and we see that, yeah. You know, so, so there comes a point... And you have to choose what that point is for yourself, or you hire a coach to tell you. Yep, we do that. That it's time to step it up and start trying V6, V7, V8. Yeah. So, no. volume there, for volume. There's always sake. a caveat. Always. That's yeah. Yeah, we're we are almost two hours into this thing. Oh God. And we're still on part one, so. All right. Part two is going to come down the road. This one may be split into part two parts. So it'll be it a is. three-parter. And the other one might be split into two parts. This uh, could be a 24-part series it's, yeah. when we're done. This is its own unique podcast. <laughs> exactly. So in the meantime, until part two arrives right there in your pocket supercomputer, you all know how to find us if you need a coach to help you through your big mega project at powercompanyclimbing.com. You can find us on the Facebooks, the Instagrams. You can probably find pictures of us or something on the Pinterest. And um, you can probably find people talking about us on the Twitter machine, but you will not find us there because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. This time, 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 this